So this evening I want to talk about compassion and boundaries. Recently, someone who comes to our um, our meditation center and our teaching and events asked if sometime I could talk about boundaries. They said that in all the years they had been coming to Dharma teachings, they had never heard anyone talk about boundaries. And, you know, maybe they just missed it, but I think a lot of times we think Buddhism is very peaceful, compassionate, loving-kindness, limitless patience, and we may not see the ways in which the Buddha taught about when to say no or when to leave a situation, a relationship, or a job, or a place you live, or what, how to choose friends and how important it is to spend time with people that are helpful, that are helping us be better people. When to tell somebody off and how to do it. But he did teach all those things. And we find them in the early texts. And so... You know, when I started really getting into Buddhism, and uh, that happened because my son became a Buddhist monk in the Ajahn Chah lineage in Thailand at Wat Pananachat. So I would spend time there and learn from the monks. But in the beginning, of course, I didn't know anything. (laughs) I was... um, under the impression that I should develop that limit, limitless patience. That you should never say anything negative about anybody. That was another thing. You know, when to praise someone, when to blame, and when to speak out about something that's not correct. So... Gradually learning from the monks, mainly, about um, the Buddha's teachings and then studying them myself, I really see the Buddha covered, seems to me like he covered everything in a practical way. Much of the time, I mean, there are those things in the suttas that seem so unattainable to us, these incredible mental states and so on, but they are attainable, um, at least I think so. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the Buddha also taught about all these practical things. And it's not just that they're practical and uh, helpful to our ordinary life, but in all cases, it's also for the benefit of awakening. The Buddha was so, so clear about the goal. 
And the beauty of the goal of awakening is that all along the way, as we develop the qualities and the skills, and we discover truth, our lives get better. And our our wisdom gets deeper. So this retreat is about where compassion and wisdom meet. And some of those situations I was mentioning, this is where compassion and wisdom meet. Because sometimes the most compassionate thing is to say no or to blame someone when it's appropriate or to leave a situation, etc. So why do we need to have boundaries? That's probably pretty clear. It's to protect ourselves and to protect others. I mean, when you really get down to it, even if we overextend ourselves in certain ways, it's harmful to us, perhaps. And so we, wanna, we want to keep that in mind. And the Buddha talked about the first kind of layer, really, of protection. The first, it's it's huge, are the precepts, the five precepts, the moral precepts. And when you really think about what those precepts mean and what the result would be if everyone kept them, what an amazing world we would have. We would never have to worry about someone intentionally killing anyone, any living being. We wouldn't have to worry about anything ever getting stolen or abuse, not, at least not those really... Um, you know, gross kinds of abuse. Maybe people would get angry and, you know, it's the five precepts don't cover absolutely everything. But it's a, it's a really um, powerful baseline. And they're really considered to be a baseline. In Thailand, I've heard people say that if you don't keep the five precepts, you're really not acting like a human being. You're acting like an animal. So it's good to think about that. And to think about not just things like that, where it kind of like has that negative tinge, but what about the positive side? The Buddha said that having moral virtue is the basis for all of our development. Like even to get good meditation states, it really does rest on our virtue. Because when we are virtuous and we're really cultivating that purity, then the mind is peaceful and clear and settled. We don't have regret. And he said, then you don't have to wish that you'd be happy, joyful. It automatically happens. You don't have to wish 
to, for the mind to become calm, it automatically happens. And you don't have to wish for insight to arise because it automatically happens. And it starts with keeping those precepts. And it's so beautiful. It always makes me really happy when people take their precepts. And I've seen some really amazing things happen in people's lives because of it. But tonight I want to think about this as a, as a boundary. So when we commit to not killing, not taking anything that isn't given or offered or rightfully appropriately ours, to not have sexual misconduct, to not lie, to not use drugs and alcohol that cause us to lose our sensibility, then we are also likely to want to have friends who are doing the same thing. And the Buddha, as I said earlier, put a really high value on who we keep company with. And he said, if people are, you know, doing shady things, even if you don't do them, if you hang out with them, you get that same reputation. And one of the beauties of keeping the precepts and developing that virtue is that you're trustworthy. And, you know, this idea that Buddhism is, or the Buddha was, you know, endlessly patient and always um, full of, of love and loving things to say really gets challenged when there is a monastic that's doing bad things. Well, maybe it doesn't, because when you develop enough insight and wisdom, you, you can see that that's important, that he really lays down the law. So you have some monastic who's claiming to be celibate and isn't being celibate. And the Buddha is really, throws them out, tells them off. Because they're really, really doing the wrong thing, deceiving and harming. And so we, we should take a page out of that book and recognize that there are times to say no and there are times to call things out. And the Buddha talked about how to do it. You know, I mean, this is like he, he didn't scold people for minor things. He would talk to them about, he would ask them what they're doing, what they're thinking, give them guidance. The, the rules for monks and nuns are very much about rehabilitation. But if people, if someone does think something really extremely harmful, then um, they're going to really have that brought up and they can come back, but they can't be a, a monk or a nun anymore if they've done those really serious things, intentionally kill a human being, for example. And so these are boundaries. 
And the boundaries keep us safe. And they keep the, um, the organization safe. The Buddha also said the monastics shouldn't accept money. So we don't use money. Um, we can't just go to the store and buy stuff for ourselves, say. And if you don't handle money, then there's a lot less, uh, or you don't amass money, there's a lot less corruption. You get into trouble. Um, sometimes people can get into trouble with too much money, too much power, especially in a situation like we're in. Now, as a layperson, the Buddha never condemned um, earning money in wholesome ways. But again, there's boundaries. That it's done in a way that doesn't harm others, doesn't harm yourself. He gave a beautiful teaching to his son. According to the commentary, they say that his son Rahula was about seven years old. I think it was seven uh, when this teaching happened. And you get the idea that Rahula must have told a lie. Little Rahula. Because his dad, the Buddha, comes over to where he's staying and he he takes the water dipper that you use for washing your feet. And he washes his feet and then there's this little bit of water in the bottom. And he says, Rahula, do you see how much water there is in the bottom of this ladle, this dipper? And Rahula says, yeah. He said, that's what your holy life is worth if you tell a lie, deliberate lie. And he goes on to make it very clear in a very kind way how important it is to be truthful. And then he says to Rahula, when you're going to do something, think about, before you do it, think about whether this is going to hurt anyone or it's going to hurt yourself. And if it is going to hurt you or if it's likely to hurt you or hurt someone else, don't do it. And when you're doing it, you think, is this hurting anyone? Is this hurting me? And if it is, stop. And after you've done something, think back, did this hurt anyone? Did this hurt me? And if it did, he said, go find, go find one, of, one of the senior monks and talk to them about it. And tell them what you did, and then determine that you're not going to do it again. And that's, that's really the framework for the rehabilitation. I know lay people who have picked this up, and they've even had uh, um, partners in their group, in their sangha, where they talk to each other every couple weeks or whatever their time period is about the things that they've done with you know, with the regard to the precepts that they haven't been quite happy with. And it's beautiful because you can really clear it. You really can clear the slate. It's a beautiful boundary. And of course, when the Buddha told Rahula about this, he didn't just stop with actions. 
He also talked about speech. And he talked about thought. Now, in Buddhism, there's no um, sort of penalty or shame around a thought coming into your mind. You can't help that. That just comes from past, the past. It's like whatever pops into your head, you can't, that's not your responsibility. But what you do with it as soon as it does, that is our responsibility. Because we can decide to give that thought some energy and keep thinking about it or add to it, or we can say no. It's an unwholesome thought. Do you have a sense? I know this is a rhetorical question because you're supposed to be quiet. Do you have a sense (laughs) of what's a wholesome thought and what's an unwholesome thought? Or what's a wholesome action and an unwholesome action? It always is about whether it leads to peace or whether it leads away from peace. And those things that lead to peace are things that are kind and good. But they're not necessarily all sweet, like I said. The Buddha said that you should praise what's worthy of praise and blame what's worthy of blame. And that that is appropriate for any of us. It's, a, it's clarity, it's wisdom at work. A lot of times the Buddha described and defined wisdom as knowing what's wholesome, the difference between what's wholesome and what's unwholesome. And he'd use other adjectives like what's dark or light or blamable or not blamable. But the idea is pretty clear. Is this going to lead to harm or is this going to lead to peace? So how do you know when to leave a situation? This can be a really tough choice sometimes, whether it's a work situation or a relationship. How do you know when, like I know people who don't talk to one of their parents at all. And the Buddha really, really encouraged that we, um, you know, take care of our parents, look after them, really appreciate the fact that they brought us into the world that they taught us things. But sometimes it's better to stay away. When is that? So one of the things the Buddha said is, I mean, it comes back to precepts. If people people are are in your workplace, there is um, a, a real erosion of the precepts. Um. I'll get to that. I was going to start another story, but let's just I'll stick with this one first. Then, then you have to look at whether or not you should stay in that environment. If there is abuse, you have to look at whether or not there's something that can be done to make that better. And when can it be made better? Well, if the person involved who's, who's um, you know, exhibiting these behaviors sincerely sees that they want to change it and they actually put some practice into place to change their habits, to change their reactions. It doesn't work for any of us 
if we do something that's harmful or we have a habit of speaking in ways that are harmful, abusive, or very critical, to just say we're sorry and then do it again and again and again and again. And what really helps us change? I mean, you've probably noticed people who actually have changed. And what I've noticed, and maybe you've seen other things, is either the person has some kind of like really strong insight showing them how toxic and horrible this behavior is, and they just let it go, and they, and they take a different route. Or they recognize that it's harmful and they really want to change it for them for their own their for their own benefit and the benefit of others, not just because they, somebody else wants them to. That usually that usually doesn't hold up at all. But if they choose, they really want to change, then to put some practice in place to actually make that change happen. And a lot of times that has to do with them changing what people they are hanging around with. So the Buddha said, when you're looking at friendships, be careful to not spend time with people who are really engaged in unwholesome behavior. Now you might say, well, what about compassion? (laughs) Don't we have compassion for people? Um, There are reasons why people get into the things they get into, and it's true. And we do have compassion for people. But we have to also be careful not to sort of support and in our in our um, st- in, in being quiet about it, encouraging through our through our silence sometimes, encouraging that to continue the negative behavior. So the Buddha it's very interesting because he he said when you're in a situation where there's when you're in a situation how do you know whether or not you should leave it and he he hinged that on whether or not your mental qualities your are becoming more wholesome your mental states are becoming more wholesome or more unwholesome if your skillful qualities are decreasing and your unskillful qualities are increasing, that's a time to go. And of course, we might see that for a little while and then be able to turn it around. Because you, you know, some relationships we don't want to leave. There are other reasons why we don't want to leave. Maybe this is a, a sibling or, or a parent or a long-term partner or a long-term friend, and we want to try to to make it better, or we want to try to be with it in a way that doesn't take us down, maybe it helps them. And sometimes we can do that. But if our wholesome qualities are decreasing, if we're getting more angry, more irritable, rougher in our speech, rougher in our actions, the Buddha would say, leave, if you can. Because the purity of the mind is so important. So much hinges on it. When the mind is 
caught up in the kinds of things I just mentioned, we don't have the clarity, the wisdom, to actually know what we should or should not do. So in thinking about this, um, you know, we can see a lot of gray areas or areas where, you know, it's not like one size fits all, one answer uh, can be given. Depends, right? So it was one time um, I was... I had moved to be near um, a monastery, and it was a place where um, the senior monk was my teacher. And I was having problems with the landlord. I was renting a house there, and the landlord, I felt like, was um, doing some things that I thought were quite inappropriate. I mean, to me, it felt so like they'd come to, you know, trim some tree branches or something on the property and then say, okay, now I'm going to take a shower in your bathroom. <laughs> or, oh, oh, we're going to stop for lunch and we're going to make it in your kitchen. And then the hints to stay over in the bedroom, the second bedroom, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Once I was talking to my teacher, but he's a monk in the Thai forest tradition, and I said, so I was, uh, during that time I was kind of playing this game. What would an arahant do? What would a fully enlightened person do? So I said to him, what would an arahant do? Would they just be all love and, you know, like, okay, come on in, you know, and here's some fresh baked cookies and, you know, just enjoy. And he said, well, maybe it depends on the arahant. Another arahant might be chasing him off the property with a stick. That was helpful. Because <laughs> sometimes the stick is a good thing to help people learn something. <laughs> And it's not always pleasant or easy or effective even. But it is good to look at what should be done and how is the right way to do it. So the Buddha talked about when we're going to tell somebody off, basically, there are some guidelines. First of all, we have to make sure that we're not doing the same things. Because sometimes that happens. We blame other people, and we also have the same thing showing up in our own behavior. So we want to look at that. And then we want to do this with a good purpose in mind. Not from a mind of inner hatred or anger, but from a place of actual loving kindness. So can you imagine the difference? You tell someone off with loving kindness. Maybe it doesn't quite sound like telling them off, but it could. There have been some really um, fierce teachers in the, in the Thai forest tradition in Thailand, which is where our um, kind of background is in our training. And, and it's really helpful to learn to see how how that fierceness can be grounded in loving kindness. 
and not have any, any hatred in it at all or ill will. And then the Buddha said, you know, it's, it's better when you're talking to someone if you can speak to them gently. But sometimes you're going to have to say things that they're not going to want to hear. And maybe the way they have to hear it is it's not so gentle, but it's still kind at the root. So there's a couple of other qualities to this speech. Doing it at the right time, at a time that's appropriate. Time when they might be able to hear what you're saying. Not like, you know, they're consumed with something else or whatever, you know, you can kind of get a sense for when that might be the right time, even to deliver something they're not going to want to hear. So it's this good purpose behind what you're going to say. A mind of loving kindness, not inner hatred. It's got to be something that's true and not false. Honestly, if we never wish to deceive anyone and we always want to speak the truth, we are so much better off. The mind is so much clearer and people can trust us. Isn't that great to be trustworthy in this world where there are so many lies, so many exaggerations, so many manipulations? We can do it differently. That's real compassion and wisdom at work. Gentle if possible, but maybe we got to have a little bit of a sting in it. And timely. So, boundaries. Now, thinking about, okay, are my skillful qualities developing or not? There's this one teaching that the Buddha gave where he said um, to the monastics, okay, if you're in a situation where you're living at a monastery and your, your practice isn't going very well, like you're not really developing and the goal of your holy life, which is to awaken, is not coming to fulfillment. And the requisites for life, the food, clothing, shelter, medicine, are really scarce. Don't stay. And you don't, you don't even have to announce that you're leaving. You can leave in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I, and I kind of wonder if when those requisites are scarce, it's because they're not sharing with you. Maybe that's not it. But just, you know, like, this just really isn't working. And he says, if you have a situation where your practice isn't going well, it's not developing, and there are lots of requisites, don't stay. Because it isn't about having stuff. (laughs) So the next situation is, Your practice is going well. You're developing. 
but there are very few requisites. They're pretty scarce. So you're kind of living on not quite enough food and etc. But the Buddha says, with after consideration, stay. So you're gonna weigh it up and see, is this okay enough? And stay. And then the fourth possibility if you're covering all possibilities with these criteria, is the practice is going really well, you're developing, and there's plenty of requisites. He said, then stay forever. <laughs> and, and he also talks about who to follow and serve. Same idea with, as, as a monastic. But, but this happens in lay life, too. Like even the example I just gave, gave, this happens in lay life too. Like what if you have a job or you're not being treated very well, you're not really developing, and the pay is lousy? Try to find a different job, right? And it's like you can, you can take these teachings that the Buddha gave and you can look, okay, how, how's this working for me? And what does it mean to develop? And what does it mean to develop in your life? Hopefully it means you're developing your skill. You're, you're developing your abilities as a good person. You're all good people, I know that. And we all have these things that we want to like, gradually improve. And when I start talking like that, I start worrying about people getting feeling guilty. <laughs> Please don't go there. Um, the nun I live with said, "There's no guilt. There's there's no crying in baseball, and there's no guilt in Buddhism." <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's always about reflecting on what we do, seeing that we want to improve something, making the determination to do it, and really just making progress. So the, the, let me see, what was that one I was going to talk about? Oh. Hmm. It's almost right there, but I can't quite get my handle on it. Maybe it'll come back. So one of the things that we need to watch for is what is it that we say and do or when we think, oh, I want to leave my situation? When is it motivated by our own defilements, our own mental distortions and our own habits um, that actually have some anger in them? Or, you know, This is something that's important to examine. Like, how can I, not that we're going to like, immediately just cure all of that and you know but but trying to be really honest with ourselves about what we're holding on to that's going to be somehow related to this sense of self so when i'm talking about protection i'm not really talking about protecting your personality or your sense of identity. I'm talking about your virtue, your heart, 
Because the most definitive quality of Buddhism relative to everything else you'll hear about in the world is this idea of not-self. And that when I think there's a me here and I'm going to protect me and I want something for me, it always has this stickiness about it and it has these distortions around it. I can't see clearly what's really fair. I can't see clearly what really needs to be done or what's good for other people and what's really good for me even. And so this is something that we want to watch for and ask ourselves, when we're in conflict with someone, what part of this is me defending my ego? What part of this is me feeling like I shouldn't be spoken to that way or I deserve this or that? I got to say that over the years, Letting go of that more and more and more just brings more and more peace and happiness. More humility. More love. More kindness. Because when that sense of self starts to fade out of the picture, it seems to me like what's left is kindness. And I remember Ajahn Amaro giving a talk once at the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. And you might not know who he is, but he's a um, senior monk in our tradition. And he was talking about not-self, like this whole process. And I'm not going to go too far down this road because we'll be here all night. Of course, maybe you'd like that. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but... This process of not-self and, and how, how we can come to really get that. And, and then this person in the, in, the, in the hall said, well, if there's, not, if there's no self, like I've got kids, I've got a dog, who takes the kids to school? Who feeds the dog? Who takes the dog for a walk? And Ajahn Amaro said, it's kindness that takes the kids to school. It's kindness that walks the dog. And if you really think about that, why do I do the things that I do? Is this to try to build up the me? Or is this trying... Is this about living according to these beautiful principles of Dhamma that actually bring more happiness, more peace, more humility, more kindness, more trust into the world and into our own life? And this is where wisdom is. And the compassion is right there. Because not only do we have kindness, but we also have compassion. And compassion without wisdom, when, when, when there's a lot of that focus, if you don't have the wisdom, you might do some pretty foolish things. But if the wisdom is there, 
it needs the compassion and kindness too. Otherwise it gets kind of edgy, harsh. It can. Too critical. So bringing them into balance and developing these qualities, even if you feel like you're just inching along, going in the right direction is what's important. And every one of us can do it. And it is good to have good friends, friends that are also, you know, like on the same track as much as we can. In fact, the Buddha said, you know, try to have friends that are better than you. You can ask, like, how does that work for all of us? <laughs> but maybe you have a friend who just happens to be really generous. Like, that's one of their shining qualities. I have a friend like that. So generous. Every time anybody needs anything, man, he's right there to help. My dad had a neighbor like that. I grew up on a farm. He said, I can never get ahead of Ed. Ed is always doing like more for me than I can give back. You know? And the Buddha said, You got somebody like that in your life? Emulate that quality. And and he said, Maybe you've got someone in your life that's that's really virtuous. Like they've they've got, you know, really beautiful virtue. And, and the Buddha said, well, then, you know, you look to that person and emulate their virtue. And he said the same thing about wisdom. You, you have someone in your life who's really wise, really in tune with the truth of the way things are, and then you emulate that. You learn from that. And there's a fourth one. The Buddha talked about these four qualities together a lot. And the fourth one is faith. It's not faith like you, we may think of it in our Western culture. It's not a blind belief in something. It's more like confidence. It's confidence in the way things actually are, the way things work, that that. Good actions bring good results. Bad actions bring bad results. It's confidence that it is possible to awaken, that it is possible to go beyond suffering. I'm very happy that you're here. I'm actually in a very wholesome way, quite proud of you. Thank you for your practice. May it flourish. And with that, I will say good night.